0: Today I think it's, uh, it's the wrong man of the match. I think today uh, uh, Doffer deserved it. He's been through uh, a lot and the way he's been uh, in the, the dressing room and the way he performed today, I'm so delighted for him. So today I will give it to him.
1: Right, it's that time of the week again. The time of the week when you create about an hour of time mm-hmm. to listen to I don't know if we're your favourite Celtic podcast, but we're certainly the, the grandest and the oldest Celtic yeah. podcast. My name is Hamish. Hello John.
0: Yeah, we're in the top flight, I think. We're not in the we're not in the championship, but in we're in the Premier League, I would suggest.
1: But we have our big our our own big cup final this weekend, don't we?
0: Yes, we do. Well, are you talking about the charity stream? Or are you talking about the quadruple treble?
1: No, I'm talking about strictly podcast matters at the moment in terms of the the charity stream.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm sure you've heard if you're a listener of Celtic podcasts, you you may be aware, but uh, we will be appearing on a Celtic State of Minds 24 hour charity stream. Um, I think the the setup is that there's a GoFundMe page set up, and they'll be asking for donations to that throughout the the live stream for live years, and there'll also be sponsoring segments and stuff. So we'll be appearing for one of the hours. I'm not sure which hour it is yet, um, but we'll certainly be involved. And we're excited about doing it. And You know, I, I think almost every podcast has taken part in it, or has been asked to, at least. So um, I'm looking forward to getting together with everyone, um, at least, well, not, not at the same time, but you know what I mean. I'm looking forward to it, is my point.
1: I'm just absolutely staggered that someone's given us an hour to talk about Celtic. <laughs>
0: yeah, so the, there's, there's, there's four charities, I should have said. So I think there's uh, St Rocks FC, they do like a charity mental health support group. And I think it's Children's First is one of the other ones. There's a homeless charity and a food bank charity um, local to, to Paul John Dyke. So um, yeah, if you want more details of it, go into Paul John Dyke's Twitter account or the Celtic State of Mind Twitter account. Um, and we'll be happy to see you there. Hopefully people tune in and tune in for our segment, Amish.
1: Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they? We've got two knowledgeable persons like me and you, and, and who knows, we might have a, a third wheel um mm-hmm. as well. But we'll see how the weekend goes. We don't even know what um you know hour we're getting yet, do we? Whether it's no, gonna no. be the, the graveyard shift of like mm-hmm. six AM or something like that, or whether you're gonna get prime time grand old podcast coverage.
0: Yeah, that's exciting be a laugh if it's like the hour ahead of kickoff and we've got to react to Neil Lennon's team.
1: <laughs> Can you tell that this is one of those podcasts where it's just me and John and we don't have a great deal to talk about, certainly in comparison to, to recent weeks, although it's a little bit more positive. Celtic mm-hmm. have won a couple of games since we mm-hmm. last did one of these things. We've we've lost Ewan, there's no Ewan this week, there's still no Paul Fisher, but I don't know if I should say this on a podcast, but congratulations, Paul, on your your good news today, your your promotion at work and yeah it's all it's all positive stuff Um a lot of good stuff happening in the world at the moment as long as well as some of the the bad stuff and Christmas is coming up of mm-hmm. course that's that's a big positive thing and this show as a lot of our recent shows have been is uh, brought to you in association with Manscaped and if you're at a bit of a loss and you're starting to you know leave it a little bit late with regards to Christmas if you haven't bought anything yet but if you're a bit of a loss as to what to buy um your loved one if he's a guy then why not get involved with manscaped and why not get involved with manscaped while using the code grandpod on manscaped.com you can get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com if you use that you'll help him out you'll help us out you'll help manscaped out and they're pretty cool folk um, they've got loads of products here. They've got the the crop preserver ball deodorant, John. Oh, nice. They've got the equally they've got the crop reviver ball toner.
0: Oh, nice. Nice they, artist. They've got,
1: <laughs> they've got the weed whacker, which I believe you came into contact with I pretty have. recently. We we heard about that on a, a recent show. Um and obviously don't forget their their main kind of headline product which is the the best trimmer for your butt balls and body it's the lawnmower 3.0 a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin safe technology which helps reduce grooming accidents and nobody likes them um so whether this is for your partner your dad brother friend get them something that they'll actually use and it's almost sure to get a laugh on christmas day as well so that's always a bonus isn't it when you buy something that gets them a laugh and it uh, helps them as well and you can be the ballsiest gift giver this year with manscaped and the grand old pod that's grand pod that's the code g-r-a-n-d-p-o-d at manscaped.com right Good. Let's talk about Celtic then, John. Yes. Lots and lots happening. On the pitch, we've had a couple of victories. Equally, today, there's probably been a, a less impressive showing from the club in terms of the way the AGM um, unfolded. I'm going to start there, if you don't okay. mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of had my fingers in my ears today. I've been doing loads of other various things that I do on a Monday um, with regards to work, and I kind of take a break from Celtic until about four o'clock when we chat to Jackie McNamara. But the AGM was ongoing about lunchtime. You were across it on 67 hillhillcom Simple question is, what did I miss?
0: So you didn't miss a lot, to be honest, Hamish. Now, I usually enjoy the AGM because it can be a... Uh, you know, you can get the odd belter coming in off the floor with a random question. You get the usual Resolution 12 nonsense at this stage. <laughs> it's 2020, let it go. Um, there's a, you, you get a fair amount of... Um, some random and off-the-cuff stuff, but the nature of the pandemic, it's hit Celtic hard and obviously it had a massive impact on the AGM itself. And so the AGM was a bit a bit timid, shall we say, and I think partly the fault of Celtic and obviously partly not, they had to move it online into a virtual platform. Um, although they did get together at Celtic Park, all, all the the questions were, you know, it was all broadcast virtually to shareholders there's no shareholders in the room on the floor Um, and so the votes passed without incident as they always do and then the Q&A was it was filtered shall I say by Celtic they grouped all similar types of questions into three or four broad categories um, and kind of answered answered them as they came but because they'd seen them in advance because they knew what was getting asked because they'd filtered them out you know and, and grouped them together. It was a bit, you know, it was just sound bites more than anything. There was no, there was no, nothing given away really. And it was the the same old story from Celtic. It was a United front in terms of the board and Neil Lennon together. It was, um, you know, we're trying our best to win 10 in a row. It was, we know we haven't been doing well in Europe, but we need to do better. Um, all that kind of nonsense. So I honestly wouldn't say there was actually much newsworthy thro- from the event itself. Um, there was no big announcements, there was no big declarations of Peter Lawwell's future as were the rumours on some of the other blogs um, so really, um, it was more routine I would suggest than the 2-0 win over Kilmarnock.
1: Right, okay I, I saw there was some, uh, some videos posted on the, the club's website, there was one with uh, Lawl, there was one with uh, Lennon, there was one mm-hmm. with Tony Hamilton who was the fourth person, was it
0: Chairman,
1: Yeah, the chairman in Bankier, yeah. Yeah, so so I I saw... I I watched about 30 seconds of the Lennon one and I just gave up. As much as the team have started winning again and performing a little bit better, I I still can't deal with some of his comments. Uh, I saw... Some tweets. Uh, I think it was Harry Brady was was kind of tweeting some updates mm-hmm. from from the the AGM. I don't know if it was from that interview that I didn't watch much of, or whether it was, it was yeah. from something else. Mm-hmm. But some of the comments from Neil Lennon in regards to Celtic being, you know, affected uh, by this whole COVID pandemic and the fact fans can't get into games. And I don't know the the exact quote, but something along the lines of "We've been affected m- more than most." Um, hmm. by this which to be honest it doesn't wash me at all um, I think Celtic have been affected and I, I think a lot of the, the showings we've had at, at home and also away from home wouldn't have been acceptable not to say that they were acceptable because there was no fans there but I don't think we would have got quite as Many poor shows in a row if fans had been there. For example, the Sparta-Prague home game or the Ross County home game or even the Rangers home game. You're not telling me we wouldn't have got a shot on target with a full park head there. Mm -hmm. But every other team has to deal with this. And I'm just a bit concerned if this season is going to, you know, fall by the wayside, which it could still do in a matter of weeks, that we're going to get all these excuses by the the board or from the board. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean... In a way, I can slightly understand Lennon's comments to the extent that, you know, most other teams have had one or two of their players fall ill on international duty. We seem to have a bunch all, all in the, one after the other that definitely I think disrupted the flow. And obviously, the Ballinglue incident I think also disrupted the early flow of our season um, when we had the the games postponed by the from after pressure from the Scottish government. So there has been some slight unusual activity even in the the context of the pandemic, certainly in contrast to Rangers who have barely had any uh, problems. So I can understand what you're saying to an extent, but I agree it's not an excuse for the season overall and, and they shouldn't be really pushing it as such. Um, certainly at the moment when, although we've had a couple of promising matches, I'm still of the belief that the team and the manager certainly have a lot to prove and I'm of the belief that there are serious structural issues at the club. So... Nothing's washed away because we beat Lille and we beat Kilmarnock. you know. But it's positive of those performances as well, and we'll we'll get into some of the good stuff soon. I promise for anyone um, ready to chuck the podcast because we're being too negative. But I'm just, you know, we've got to put everything into perspective, and I think Neil Lennon coming out and saying, you know, I think we're in this position um, because the pandemic's affected us more than most. I don't think is helpful or constructive. And you know he says things sometimes. Sometimes he speaks in sound bites, and he's probably trying to protect himself from saying any, from saying anything silly. Um, but I agree, that's a, a bit of a nonsense.
1: He's doing a really good job if he's trying to protect himself from saying anything silly, because <laughs> seems like that's a, kind of been his go-to over the last two or three months. Is just silly comment after silly comment. Anyway, we do the YouTube uh, quite often. We do live post-match reaction on sixty-seven heel heel youtube Um i give my thoughts on there throughout the week you write your thoughts down as well and um, we're well, not literally you, you take them out and and post them on 67halehale.com and you know going for the youtube a lot of comments we've had are, are certainly a few, a few comments um have been about the sea change and you know the the opinions of the supporters over the last mm-hmm. week or so uh, and when we did the podcast last week, just after we'd drawn 1-1 against St. Johnson, uh, it's fair to say we were at the, the lowest of the low. Like we had a good laugh with Ewan, but um we were just just really, really disillusioned with the club. Um we've had two wins this week, a really good one against uh Lille on Thursday night, and then you know, the 2-0 kind of comfortable-ish uh, win over Kilmarnock on Sunday. And some of the comments suggesting that you know, are we now pro Lenin? Are we now saying everything is all right? And I don't think that's the case at all. And hopefully we can get that across in this podcast. But equally, from our point of view, when we are making, you know, one of these podcasts every week and we work with Celtic, uh, you know, you know, with regards to On 67 Hail Hail and we've been doing it for the last few months and it's been non-stop negativity, you can't really blame us for getting a little bit excited and maybe even slightly carried away when we get a wee bit of good news.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's it's nuance, isn't it? There's no black or white situation at, at Celtic, with especially with to do with the manager and especially to do with the the other problems at the club, like I've just alluded to. And I don't want to get too navel gazing and inside baseball here, but when you're writing or or doing this podcast or doing the YouTube as work, um and you're being negative all the time, it bleeds into your overall mental health like you you 100% you become more of a negative person and you become less of a nice person to be around and so it was free very freeing last week to to win against Lille it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders and it was a joy to write and talk about Celtic again and I think that's probably comes across in not an over-the-top tone because I, I do think we qualify our statements an awful lot perhaps too much sometimes Um, And we do like to take a balanced view of everything. But I think there is real signs of optimism in this team at the moment of the last two performances. And I wouldn't be saying that if I didn't think it was true. I don't think I'm going over the top with that. As I said, I do think this team have an awful lot to prove. And the big thing now is consistency. And, you know, I think I said this on the channel, but I will not have faith again in the Celtic team unless they string together some wins now and win at Ibrox. And that's a big ask. So um, there's a lot of hard work ahead. um, But I I agree with you. Why not let ourselves get a little bit excited? We are Celtic fans after all. And when there is case for optimism, I think we should grab it with both hands. And I've actually been heartened to see some of the joy and, the, you know, that's more of a friendly tone over the Celtic sport in the last few days online. and, And even at the protest on Sunday, I thought that moment with the the team bus rolled into Celtic Park was a, a fantastic unifying moment, and I believe you know it would have meant a lot to the players as well. So we can allow ourselves to get a little bit excited, temper it a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, definitely two positive games Hamish. There's no doubt about that.
1: Right, where are the the positive signs then in, in the last couple of games? The, the obvious, the obvious two, uh, the the headline two are. David Turnbull and Ismail Sorrow both started both games. I was surprised that Sorrow certainly started on on Sunday. But, you know, Connor Hazard as well has played both and, you know, hasn't put a foot wrong. There's been, um, I would say, improved performances in some of the defenders. I would say Shane Duffy's last couple of games have probably been two of his better ones um, I mm-hmm. know it's it's not up against much because he's had a pretty pretty torrid time so far at Celtic but um, you know I've seen a lot of people saying that Shane Duffy needs to get back to the form he showed in his early few weeks at the club I actually thought he was really poor in his first few weeks as well um, I thought that his performance on Sunday against Kilmarnock was probably his best performance uh, I know he scores as well and that always helps to to boost how you view a defender's performance but I thought just due to the fact that he didn't make any mistakes. It was his best performance. Um, so positives there. I think Christopher Eyer in this kind of right-back role has looked really good. It's not a long-term solution for me, but is it a solution that can help us through the next week period um, when... You know we've got El Hamid, who it seems like you kind know, of maybe doesn't want to be here anymore and wants to move in January, and and we've got no right wingers really other than Jeremy Frimpong playing up there, um. So that's okay. I think Christopher Jul- Julian's been quite a positive. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's a, a really good Certainly. player. Um, El Yunusi kind of keeps doing all right. So you know there are positives there, um. But it's a strange kind of time we're in at the moment, isn't it? Like the teams. Uh, Six weeks ago, if I was to have said to you, you know, this is going to be the team that starts at home with Kelly, you'd be quite surprised. I certainly would be surprised, but
0: um, I think the way Soros come into the team has been a surprise given, you know, he's been at the club since January and wasn't really getting a sniff at all. Didn't look anywhere near the team. Goes away, gets married, comes home and looks like the best player in the midfield. I thought he was outstanding against Lille on Thursday. Um, you know, I think David Turnbull arguably played better against Kilmarnock, um than he did against Lille but he was very good in both games again. But th- these two players, I think, have really added a lot to the midfield, as everyone knows. But it was you who made a good point when we're, when you were speaking to him last week, late last week, when he said it's about efficiency in the middle of the park, and that you know, Leo actually had more touches of the ball than us on on Thursday night. Um, I wouldn't say they dominated possession, but you know certainly um, had a lot of the ball, but we were more efficient with it than them and we were more direct than we have been in, in recent weeks and months. And that's primarily down, I think, to the fact that David Turnbull could take the ball and play with his head up and has the awareness and vision to see things around him. Um, and I think Ryan Christie has his positives, but I do think he's like a headless chicken sometimes and, and that is a negative and he runs himself into to brick walls sometimes and doesn't really have that awareness. I would suggest. Um, likewise with sorrow, he just looks so athletic and strong and was everywhere against Lille, Tackles flying in from all over the place. Just a very busy, very you know, very exciting performance. Even though much of it was on the defensive side of the game, but you know he can pass the ball forward too, and he likes to to ping it. He's not passing it back to the defenders most of the time, um, like Scott Brown would be doing. And um, so those those are the big differences for me, and I think maybe that's all it takes. You know, we've got a team of talented players, and if you play talented players in um, positions where they're going to be functional, then you're going to get good performances and results. It's the same with Chris Ayer; just having him on the right hand side to kind of protect the, the central defence, but also have you know he's got he's got the athleticism to get up and down that right flank, and he's got a bit of ball skill as well as we've seen um, for for Turnbull's goal against Leal. So. These Are all positive signs for me, and it doesn't take much to kind of tip over the edge from Celtic to be a completely routine and boring performance into one that's at least functional and a winning one. So, I think that's what we've seen. We're not blow away yet, but that's why I'm, I'm I'm I think we can still get better, and I think that's why I'm feeling so positive.
1: Yeah, there's there's you know definite positives there that you can see. You only had to watch the the Leo performance on, on Thursday night, and you know, I've said this time and time again on the various platforms we speak speak on but the difference one or in this case you know two outfield players can make to an entire team is is remarkable mm-hmm. we saw it a couple of years ago uh Brendan Rodgers uh final season when we people forget we started that season terribly like really badly we, back, we, yeah. we lost at Kelly we lost at Hearts we uh drew at a- St Mirren AK Athens AK Athens of course I'm sure there was a, another draw in there somewhere as well. Um, It was just a a really poor time um, to be a Celtic fan, to be honest. Um, That kind of horrible run run of games into the Europa League, all of that. And the catalyst for that was that win at Murrayfield. And we then went on from there and had a brilliant run of form. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Ryan Christie was the main man at that point from then onwards and if you look back at that string of games he's the man you look at and that was when he first came into the team and and he got his his real opportunity in the second half of that Murrayfield game he scored I think he won a penalty and the whole team kicked on from there and you know I've said it before you see the same with Jeremy Frimpong last season like when Mm -hmm. when one player comes into the team and it's like a breath of fresh air the whole team I don't know what it is in the psyche, but the whole team seems to get a boost. It's almost as if they think, you know, subconsciously, look, he's raising the standards. I need to, you know, raise my standards. I need to almost show that I'm still the main talking point in this team. And you've seen that straight away with two players who come in, Turnbull and Sorrow. And yes, it's absolutely brilliant. They're in and hopefully they stay in the team for as long as possible and we can really build something with them. But equally, I think it just you know, rubber stamps, how much of a shambles it's been that we haven't seen either up until (laughs) this point. Because, you know, I don't know if you maybe touched on it earlier, but Sorrow was allowed to go and get married a few weeks ago. (laughs) Like, that's a guy who was given time away to get married, has come in and is, you know, uh, he's not changed our season or anything drastic like that, but he certainly made, you know, a big impression in his first couple of games. Tom Rogic was allowed to to leave the club to go to Qatar. And then for a couple of weeks, he became the, the main person everyone was talking about. Um, David Turnbull, even prior to the COVID stuff, uh, was I think he was given about 60 minutes or something um, in the league for Celtic. So it's just really frustrating from that point of view that these guys weren't brought in earlier because our season okay. may have been in a much better position. Um, you know, if they'd have come in for that Hibs game, uh, or for that Sparta-Prague game at home, would mm-hmm. we have lost 4-1? Would we have drawn 2-2 at Hibbs? Would we have lost 2-0 at home to Ross County? I highly doubt it, given that they had any, you know they had to make an impression. But I guess there's no point crying over spilled milk. We're here now, and mm-hmm. the future looks much brighter than it did a week ago.
0: Yeah, but the, and the, but the situation's so precarious that it might look grim again next week. We just don't know. There's no midweek match this, this week, which I think will help everyone. Um, and then this match against Hearts you know Hamden can be a graveyard for Neil and Celtic teams as we've found out in the past and I know Hearts aren't a great team but we need to be at our best again and, our, our, and again and at least need to be functional um, in every position as we have been the last two matches so it's just so precarious and I think that's why everyone's a bit um, there's trepidation about being too positive about Celtic at the moment but that's the nature of being a, a football fan. You're positive when you win and you're negative when you lose. That's that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And I think everyone can see that the last two performances were better. Even if we'd drawn or or lost those matches, I still think the performance would would have been better. There was no silly mistakes. No, well, there was actually in the Lille game. Um, But, you know, there was no defensive horror shows against Kilmarnock, for example. Um, And, you know, Connor Hazard's looking strong between the sticks too. So, yeah why why not just let ourselves breathe out a bit Because there's gonna be i think this this season still has a few roller coaster up and downs ahead of us, so we should take take this as it comes and and celebrate the players that have come into the team because again that's the way that these players stay in the team as well because although we like to think that the club are completely blind to fan um criticism and and discussion. The reality is that it all bleeds through. You know, if there's enough noise about Turnbull staying in the team, then the likelihood is that he's going to get more chances than if everyone was silent about him. That's just the way football works sometimes. So I'm happy to to celebrate the the talent of David Turnbull and hope that he retains his place.
1: Yeah, we're we're always at Celtic a couple of games away from crisis. I think at the moment we are (laughs) one game away from crisis. But, you know, like... (sighs) Let's embrace that. Let's embrace the fact that absolutely every matter, uh, every match is a matter of life and death at the moment. <laughs> not literally, obviously, but in terms of in terms of a football sense, let's let's enjoy it. Let's go into Sunday's game and and let's know it's an absolutely huge game. And it's not in terms of the league, obviously, because it's a cup game. But you know, I'm coming round, John. I must say, uh, I, was, uh, the, I was playing the it <laughs> treble. I was playing it down a, a few weeks ago. I couldn't be arsed about it, but but now. <laughs> a couple, couple of wins have been my medicine and uh, I, see I see what's happening
0: Yeah, i see what's happening you're going to have one of those you're going to have an adidas celtic quadruple treble t-shirt on on monday morning is it
1: <laughs> exactly well hopefully hopefully i get that chance but i'm looking forward to how how are we feeling about it then because
0: i think it's a big game
1: yeah yeah there's a there's a couple of ways to look at it for me that the first way and this will sound really uh almost fatalistic but the the fact that the season may be heading for the buffers it may be and and we may be ending up with, with rangers you know lifting one or two trophies who knows that could happen we're no longer at the stage where we can write rangers off as a wee relevance like they, they are if we're honest they're probably the best team in scotland at the moment and i should say that quite reservedly on a, a celtic podcast but but they are um and they're, we need to get to the that best, level. Indeed, remember that podcast we finished with simply the best. Wow, <laughs> how how, uh, how times have changed. But what I was going to say is this Sunday almost gives us a a chance to just to just be the best for a bit again, and and to say you know this is a quadruple treble, and it's very much an achievement of you know previous seasons rather than this team. But equally, it'll be this team that's going to lift that trophy, um, and it could you know be a real opportunity for some of the. New players in the team, you know the likes of uh, Hazard, Sorrow, Turnbull, uh, players like a Yeti that could feature. Um, Duffy is another one who who have mm. never lacks out, who have never seen Celtic be good to be honest and they've never certainly seen Celtic win a trophy and this Sunday could be that springboard and yes there'll be no fans at Hamden, but it could be a chance for them all to realise like I can win stuff and mm-hmm. uh, you know if, if lifting a trophy in front of an empty Hamden in the rain probably feels good then can you imagine doing it in front of X number of fans at Celtic Park in May with the, the league uh, trophy so hopefully it gives them an opportunity but equally I think it's as much for the fans Sunday and it could be really really you know, almost cathartic if uh, if we can do something positive on Sunday and win this trophy.
0: Yeah, and imagine we went out and hammered hearts. You know, everyone always feels good after we do that, regardless of their station. So I'm totally up for this. Um, and I think that, you know, the two results have helped. But I think I'd be up for it regardless. I think it's, it's a kind of strange one-off occasion. It's kind of in its own bubble in the context of this season. Um, and so, you know, there's... There's less meaning attached to it than it would be, obviously, if there was a full hand-in and it was last day at the end of last season after a long campaign. But I love the Scottish Cup. It's always a tournament that I've loved, and for Celtic to keep winning it is important to me. So I'll absolutely be up for this. Um, and I think it could be a pretty good game. You know, Hearts obviously won 6-1 at the weekend, I think, so they're in confident yeah. mood. They've also got a full week to prepare. So, yeah, let's go for it and let's kick them in. That's That's my message.
1: Yeah, Arts, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, are in the Championship at the moment. They've (laughs) got 18 points out of 21 so far. They're four points clear of Dunfermline, who were the team who beat them uh, a few weeks ago at East End Park. I was looking at Hearts' team from that 6-1 win over Queen of the South at Mm Tynecastle on uh, Saturday. And yes, they're a Championship team by name, but this uh, certainly isn't a Championship eleven that I'm going to read out. Uh, Craig Gordon, Michael Smith... Craig Halkett, Christoph Berra, Stephen Kingsley, Ollie Lee, uh, Andy Irving, Jamie Walker, Stephen Naismith, A.D. White, and Liam Boyce. And in terms of their bench, players who didn't even make uh, the starting 11, you've got Andy Halliday, Mm -hmm. you've got peter Harding, who i think is a pretty good player craig whiten as well who's been around elliot freer the guy that was at motherwell uh, for a few years he came on and scored at the weekend so this is a uh, you know a pretty yeah. experienced team i mean craig gordon christoph Berra, stephen naismith they're they? all internationals yeah i mean it's the toughest game since going to easter road so it's a tough game and they're they're going to it goes without saying it's a cup final but they're going to be really really up for it they've you know, all all that time ago they put out Rangers on this cup run. So they've they've mm-hmm. proven that, you know, they can they can win these games and they're gonna have a few players there who really have a point to prove. So it's a, it's a tough game. But as I said earlier, John, the point I made, you know, you want these big high pressure games. These are the games that make players at Celtic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, let's not forget as well, Hearts as a club have got a massive oven sized chip on their shoulder um, at the moment. Um, with regards to everything that happened with the relegation and that, and I think, you know, given the way conspiracy theories work in Scotland, you're blaming one half of uh, Celtic and Rangers, so I think a lot of their fans, you know, put some belief in that it was Celtic pushing to be crowned nine in a row title winners that ultimately um, decided them to get relegated quicker than they should, you know, all that nonsense and rumour and conspiracy about offering friendlies to Dundee, etc. And um, so, <laughs> Their support are undoubtedly going to be up for it. Their players will be, and you know, they're you know a lot of them are aren't exactly friends of Celtic. Um, the likes of Stephen Naismith and Andy Halliday um, hate Celtic, and you know Craig Gordon's got a point to prove given the way that we released them this summer. So I, I absolutely agree that this is going to be a tough match, but it's I like that. I like that combative spirit about it. Um, I like that it's got that edge to it. Um, it would be. Far more boring if it was going to be another routine uh, game against St Johnston or something, and and you know they just eke a one 0 victory out against us. Um, so no, I'm up for it. I'm really I'm up for it. Outside of the 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 quest for history itself, in terms of the quadruple treble, just as a match against Hearts, I think it's got appeal.
1: Right, let's pick our team then, because that's mm. the the fun thing to do before cup finals, and we've had plenty of practice over the years. Goalkeeper and usually when we do these teams, the goalkeeper is the easy one, but straight away, I'm I'm chucking you a tough one because you've got an option of th- three people who could start the game. I have who I would start and I have who I think will start. Okay. Um, who, do, who do you think will start and we'll see if it, it marries up?
0: I think Scott Bain will start, but so I think do I.
1: Connor Hazard should start. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think Scott Bain will start. I think I'm right in saying he played the semi-final mm-hmm. and Lennon has, has commented saying that the players who got us there uh, should start and to be honest, don't get me started in those comments because I just think they're they're completely out of touch and and you know uh, they they just they they sum up what the whole you know feeling around Celtic has been this season. I'm been... feeling a
0: lot of pent up anger here, Hamish, directed at <laughs> Mr Lennon. Is this is this true? I just, I just
1: don't understand this. It's a whole club, to be honest. This whole idea that Neil Lennon has to be the man who leads us this season, and Neil Lennon deserves, you know, extra time at the the club because of his history with he the club. He's the man, but
0: I mean, as M- 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 Peter Lolo said uh, today. He said he was the wow. man
1: back then, and he's the man today. And this whole idea that the players who got us there have to play like just. I mean, like, are, are we going to just play James Forrest on his crutches on the right wing? Are we going to bring Fraser Forster back into we the fold should, uh, for the game? Get
0: um, Keaton Tierney up in a taxi so he can run into Hamden. <laughs> it's like, what? I know what I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. You you don't play want the
1: best team to win play, the game.
0: Play the best team and the most confident, informed players to win the game. Absolutely agree. You know, I think it's small club pattern to be, you know, we've got to give this to Scott Brown, etc. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. It should be corner Hazard, but it's going to be Scott
1: Bain. And Barkas, just no.
0: Barkas is having problems. Um, I'm not convinced that they're all football problems. Um, the, it's very curious comments. If you go and look up the Greek national team manager's comments about Barkas, very strange comments about losing weight, etc. cetera. Um, those are very odd. There's, there's. I'm not saying, I'm not saying there's a, an illness or he's got an illness or anything. I just feel he's not settled in Scotland, and I think that's as much to do with it as anything. Very, again, very interesting comments from Shane Duffy, um, after yesterday's game, saying you know how hard a time he's having of it, he's separated from his children and his family because of COVID, and these players are. They're not in a bubble, but they're in some sort of bubble and it can't be easy for them, especially when they're moving countries, etc. So that's where I've put Barcast to one side at the moment until he regains some sort of confidence and and there's some sort of trust put in him by the management and the coaching team. So, yeah, I'm not saying Barcast forever, but um, Hazard's the man for me just now, yeah.
1: Yeah, I wanted to just quickly touch on the Shane Duffy comments. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was the same comments or... Uh, uh, that I saw as the one you did, but uh, I certainly saw some interesting ones about him, and I'm kind of reading between the lines here, but he was effectively saying that he was trying too hard when he first mm-hmm. came to the club, and he did give a really honest interview after the game uh, against Kelly on Sunday, and um, yeah, he was saying he was affected by playing for Celtic and everything yeah. that it means, and you know, I just really hope that it opened my eyes up a little bit that these mm. these players aren't just machines, and I know people always say that in a throwaway way, but but these are actually humans who it matters to, and it matters to Shane Duffy playing for Celtic than probably any other club in world football, and as much as he wants to the team to win he also wants himself to be a massive success and mm. you know with the stuff that happened with his father passing that's so he, important, it's probably yeah. he's probably got that in the back of his mind every time he goes on to the pitch he will, you know 100%. I, I, I want to do you know my father justice in these games and it, it probably has affected him he's probably going for he, he, he always looks really um I don't know the the phrase, but he he goes for balls that he doesn't have to. And he almost is trying too hard. He's making daft fouls. And I just wonder if part of that is just feeling he has to be making an impression. Whereas what he should be doing is just focus on playing your game because you're an international player who'd played so many years in the English top flight, a higher level than we play in Scotland. You should be walking it up here, to be honest. Just calm down, play your game, and it'll come. And I hope that's what Neil Lennon has said to him in recent weeks. Uh, and hopefully he can he can build on that. I mean, just
0: I I don't think it can be brushed aside the the fact that he lost his father earlier this year. Um, you know, I believe that he had a great relationship with his father, but I'd be very surprised if a lot of it, you know, a lot of those memories and times weren't spent focused around football. Um, many listeners will know that you know, you the the people who pass the Celtic knowledge on to you. Your relationship with them sometimes can revolve around Celtic and. You know, when my own my own dad passed away in two thousand eighteen, it raised all sorts of issues to do with me and Celtic because um, that's primarily where where I learned about Celtic and got my knowledge of Celtic. And my, my myself and my dad actually had a difficult relationship, and sometimes the only thing that we could connect over was Celtic itself. So even just watching matches was difficult sometimes for for quite a while. And I still think about my dad in the context of Celtic even now. So for a player to have, uh, you know, a diehard Celtic supporter and his father to pass away at the start of the summer, then to sign for Celtic, then to be separated from your family through the current pandemic, it cannot be easy for him. And I totally sympathise with him in that sense. And you know, I'm not saying that to make excuses for him because he wouldn't. I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't make those excuses for himself. He knows that he's not been good enough this season. Yeah, and you're right. You, yeah, he's a professional and he gets paid a lot of money to play for Celtic. These are the things that he needs to work through. But I can understand why initially it was a problem. And I agree, you know, you went into a little bit of depth saying Neil Lennon was coming around and kind of guiding him through this tough period just on a, a personal human-to-human basis rather than a than a player-coach relationship. So I'm hoping that all pays off and, and trans, you know, re- represents itself in some sort of form over the next while because, you know, there's no one I'd like to see more succeed at Celtic than Shane Duffy.
1: Totally. Totally. Uh, I must admit, it, it, did, it did catch me a little bit, that interview, and I was watching him and I was going, you know, this really matters to you. And it, it kind of brought me back to just all the horrible comments um on -hmm. the forums and on twitter and i know they can be horrible places at the best of times but just just some of the comments about you know shane duffy being the worst defender we've ever seen at celtic and i think you've got to remember everything that's going on in his life and Mm -hmm. um and it's as you say it's impossible to you know disconnect those those things you know the personal life and the the way you're playing on the pitch Uh, he's in my team for Mm -hmm. sunday Funnily enough, um, I'm going with Christopher Iyer at right back. I'm yeah. going with uh, Duffy and Julian, yeah, centre back. And I think Laxalt had a kind of foot injury, but it sounds like mm-hmm. he will probably be back. And I would probably go with Laxalt. But did Neil Lennon's comments suggest that Taylor would play, or does he suggest that he's planning on bringing Johnny Hayes back to the club? <laughs>
0: Yeah, we might get a transfer, an emergency transfer this week. I think, yeah, I think he'll go with Laxel. I think Lennon's a big fan of Laxel. That's a big Lennon sign-in, so I could see Laxel playing, um, and I'd be happy with that I thought Greg Taylor was decent against Kilmarnock, but I think, you know, we have still to see the best of Laxel as well, I think, and there has been a couple of troubling signs from him, but I think he's the man to go forward with this season if we're um, going to turn our form around, so yeah, I would go for him. I think that's the defence that should play, the one you've just named, Laxell, Duffy, Julian and Ayar, and I think that's the one that will play as well.
1: So do I. Uh, midfield is going to be the, the one that dominates uh, mm-hmm. most of the, the chat from supporters over the next few days. McGregor will start. Who will yes. he start beside?
0: Well, again, he should start beside Ishmael Asoro, but he's going to start against Scott Brown. I mean, it's just the most obvious thing in the world. And yeah. um, I think there's people doubting that Glennon will actually do it. But the club are releasing videos today saying the Scottish Cup means so much to me and everything from Scott Brown. There's absolutely no chance that Scott Brown isn't walking out that tunnel as captain on Sunday. And you might as well just get used to it now and not be angry when the team is announced because that's what's happening.
1: No, still be angry. That's what team <laughs> selections for. That's that's what quarter to two on a Saturday or <laughs> qu- quarter past one in on a Sunday yeah. afternoon is it will be is is for. And um, we were trying to Jackie McNamara earlier, and I must say, mm-hmm. he raised a very interesting point, uh, and I raised it on the YouTube earlier as well. But I'll do it now as well for for our uh, podcast fans. Um, The fact that people have been saying for so long that Scott Brown can't play every single game, Uh, we've been saying it for seasons, but equally people, I don't think anyone is of the opinion that Scott Brown should be completely dropped out of the team and shouldn't be seen for another minute the rest of the season. I think most Celtic fans realise that Scott Brown still has some sort of a role to play, whether that be in the big games, whether it be as a sub in the big games. Celtic TV (laughs) co-commentator. Interim manager. <laughs> to your guide. When, when, when um, this Sunday comes, is there an argument that having Scott Brown in that team is for the good of Celtic because he's been rested uh, for the last couple of games?
0: No, like, and I mean, we've we'll got
1: Sorrow who could come in for future games You know, a few days later in midweek.
0: If Scott Brown plays and we don't play well um, and we lose the quadruple treble... Regardless of how Scott Brown plays, he's going to get the blame for it and it'll be the end of his Celtic career anyway. Um, It could be the end of Neil Lennon's Celtic career. So I don't know. I just don't think that you can play around with a match like this. I think it's too important. The club themselves have talked up the importance of the match. So for them to turn around and effectively give a player a testimonial is a bit rich um, and it's a bit 2 faced and um, contradictory. But again, there's just absolutely no way Scott Brown's not playing. I mean, that video that they released on Twitter tonight literally says, I think it's literally headlined, Scott Brown, the Scottish Cup means so much to me, or something of that (laughs) elk. So um, there's a PR offensive on that front, and uh, that's just what's happening. So, yeah, I can't get angry about it because it's too obvious.
1: In front of them... Again, probably Turnbull should play. I actually think Turnbull will play. Yeah, I, I can't quite put. I can't quite put my finger on what the difference between Turnbull and Sorrow is with regards to why I think they'll play. Probably because Scott Brown can't play attacking mid, basically. But I do think that when it's an attacking player, Lennon's more likely to to give them a shot. I also think he, he just he really likes David Turnbull as, as much as we haven't seen him a lot lately. I think he does like Turnbull, and I just think. Turnbull will play um, yeah. ahead of someone like Rogic. I think Tom Rogic, um, Tom Rogic's game time may be limited for the next wee while. To be honest, I get the impression that that Turnbull's going to play the vast majority of games.
0: I would agree with that. Yeah, and I think that I think this again. I think this could be Turnbull's moment to really announce himself. I know that he's had um, a couple of those moments in the last two matches. Uh, you know, and specifically with the set piece delivery, which I think people will agree is almost worth his his place in the team alone. But this could be Turnbull's big moment. This could be his big chance. And he came to Celtic for moments like this. He could have gone to Norwich or some team down in the Championship that don't have a um, hope in hell of reaching Wembley. You know, outside of the Johnson's Paint Trophy or whatever it's called these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's come to Celtic to win trophies like the Scottish Cup. He's a young Scottish player. He loves his football. He wants to be a winner. He's got ambition. He's got awareness and vision. He's got the skill on the ball to do damage at, at Hamden, I believe. Um, And he's going to come into that game with no fear. He's not going to be scared of the occasion. And I think that's quite rare in a young player. I think it's especially rare in a young Scottish player. Um, And I'm excited to see him develop. And I hope that everyone's talking next week that, you know, that was David Turnbull's game. Um, and, and much in the same way that people did of Ryan Christie at Murrayfield, etc. Um, and I think that's a real possibility.
1: The Papa John's Trophy thats <laughs> what it's called. Nice. That's a, that's a better name. Yeah. Right. right wing. Who's going to play there then? Um, I, I think... I think Ryan
0: Christie... Hmm, that's interesting. I, I think he'd probably play from Pong. I think he'll probably play Frimpong, but I might be tempted to, to to play Christie. I know people aren't a fan of him on the right hand side. I know Christie's getting a lot of grief, but I still think he's a good player, and I still think he's a match winner. And I think he'd probably have more of an influence on the outcome of the game than Jeremy Frimpong would. And that's just my gut feeling on that one. And I would like to see him start in the same team as Turnbull and see what kind of dynamic that brings. Um, because I think that could be interesting. Um, and in support of Eduard, having three busy players in El Yunusi, Turnbull it, and Christie
1: around Eduard, I think could be a real a real positive. Jeremy Frimpong's really frustrating me at the moment. And I've got a degree of sympathy for him because I actually think he's been played out of position. Uh, I, I know there was loads of people when he was playing right back, who were saying, you know, look at this guy's stature, look at his ability going forward. Uh, this guy isn't a fullback, he should be played in the wing. For me, there was a couple of occasions in the game against Kilmarnock that told me that this guy isn't an attacker, he's not a right winger. There was one in the first half when I'm assuming it was uh, Elianoussi or maybe Greg Taylor whipped the ball in and it went to the back post and Frimpong was 20 yards away from it and you he actually heard Neil Lennon uh, shouting Jerry get in there get on the end of that and I think the commentators picked up on it as well um the second one just at the start of the second half was when I think it was a couple of minutes into the second half actually when he was sent clear after a ball from Sorrow and he ended up having a shot that was kind of tame and right down the, the keeper's throat Um for me if that was James Forrest uh, we would probably have scored there because James Forrest is you know, much more clinical and, and knows how mm-hmm. to find the, the final ball. And his decision-making is just much better. It took James it Forrest for two, about five years to do that, by the way, as well. True. Yeah. V- very, very true. Um, but I suppose in the here and now, he, he has it. So I'm not meaning this as a, a real criticism of Frimpong because he's still an immensely talented player and I still get excited when I see him running at a fullback. But I think he's much more effective running as a fullback as opposed to to as a winger. I much prefer him with someone like Forrest in front of him and... Yeah, I just, I, I kind of think if this is an experiment, I think it's an experiment that should end pretty soon. Uh, I don't I don't think he's a right winger. Uh, I don't think his passing's good enough at the moment. I don't think his crossing's good enough. And I know to be a fullback, you need to have good crossing as well. And it's something he has to work on. But he just, a bit like Ryan Christie, actually, it just a lot of the time it seems really rushed. He seems unsure of what he's doing when he's getting the ball. Yeah. And see the amount of times that, he'll get the ball and he'll try and find the striker and it's Edward and like something daft, like Edward will have turned and tried to spin in behind and Frimpong will have just played it like when his back's turned, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of that kind of misunderstanding stuff that Frimpong does. And I don't know exactly where that comes from, but I've seen a lot of flaws in his game over the last few months. And I'm not sure I like seeing it when he's in such an advanced role. So I want to see him back at fullback in the future. Um, certainly, I want to see Ryan Christie playing on on Sunday, and as you know, John, that's a pretty big statement for me at the moment because I'm I'm not Christie's number one fan.
0: No, I think I think you're right though in what you say, and I think I just don't think this is quite Frimpong's time um, at the level that we need at the moment. Um, I do think he's got loads of bags of potential, um, and I think he's got a part to play this season, but. I still think we're going to see the best of James, uh, sorry, the best of Jeremy Fringpong and you know, next season or the season after, as he develops more. That's just the way I see it. Um, he's working on on his issues, so we, um, we know that Celtic are aware of what he needs to do to get to become a better player. Um, but in a Scottish Cup final, I think you pick the more seasoned professional. You pick the player, as I say, who can have more of an impact on the game. And that's certainly Ryan Christie. So who who are we going for? Ryan Christie and then El Yunusie, Edward? Or would you go for Griffiths and Edward? Or would you go for a Yeti and Edward? Or Klamala and Edward?
1: (laughs) I'll I'll go El Yunusi on the left-hand side, and I think it has to be Edward starting up top. Um, I I don't know what the hell is happening with with Ayeti and Griffiths because they now seem to be three and four in our pecking order and, and whatever order you want to, to put that in. But Klamala clearly seems to have overtaken both. Uh, I don't think Neil Lennon's happy with with either Griffiths or Ayeti's fitness for whatever reason, just reading between the lines. Um, but I think uh, Klamala's looked handy enough, but he's just so raw and I'm I'm still to see like a real bit of play with Klamala that I go, wow, you could be something special. He runs about a lot, and he, he played quite well against Lille and actually quite liked his performance. But um, I'm yet to see that that real what, bit of quality.
0: What about, so. um, what about his moment against St. Johnson when he rode that tackle and smashed it in the back of the net?
1: Let me ask you a completely daft question: Does he <laughs> do that? Does he do that a couple of minutes earlier at Now Now? That's a good question.
0: That is a good question, and that might be the difference that makes or breaks him at Celtic. Um, I do think he played well against Lille. Um, I think some people were maybe going slightly overboard about his performance. I don't think he was a blowaway away by any means, but I thought he was busy with the ball and busy looking for the ball, which says to me that he's got some sort of confidence at the moment, which actually I think Edward's lacking. Um, and Now, I wouldn't drop Edward for this game, don't get me wrong, but if... You know, if Edward's struggling at sixty minutes, you know I don't think Neil Lennon should be afraid to bring Edward off for a Klamala or in a Yeti or a Griffiths because I don't think Edward's earned the right to play through um, a bad sixty minutes and stay on the pitch. I think Neil Lennon should be a little bit more ruthless with Edward. I, I realise that Edward's you know naturally probably our best player, but if he's not doing it at the moment, he's not doing it. I would still start him and give them that opportunity, but you know, no more than an hour. We've got to be proactive in the situations and. I think Kamala has shown it that he's at least got confidence at the moment, and you've got to harness and build on that confidence. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. With the, the, you know, I think if we can get one of these strikers fit and firing, then I think we're going to be a much better team. Um, so we need to find a way to do that.
1: That will make an absolutely massive difference if, it, if it's Edwards for for talking sake. Who's the one who starts scoring? You know, every every couple of games, or, or like he was at the start of twenty twenty. It's just going to change. Everything, because you're immediately going to have you know, five or six goals a month extra, um, and that's going to really help us out, because Edward's really not scoring many goals. I think his last goal from open play in the league was was back against Hamilton in the opening day of the season, I think. I could be slightly wrong with that, unless I'm forgetting any obvious ones, but he scored a few penalties. Um, But he's getting a lot of criticism from Celtic fans at the moment, and as much as his scoring record hasn't been great, I thought he had a few good bits of play yesterday. Um and I almost feel that people have a go at his attitude and they say he's not interested. You have to remember that that's the way Edward plays the plays the game. Like he plays it in an effortless way and even when odds and Edward's scoring goals for fun. For me, he's never a player who's going to go and sprint out and, and you know, close down players. He's a player who's a bit of a maverick in many ways up top. And the key for me with Odds and Edward is getting players in and around him who can play neat passes in, who can get one-twos. Mm-hmm. And there were signs in that first half yesterday between him and Turnbull and also El Yanusi. They had a few good bits of play in Callum McGregor as well. Um, so we really need to build on that and that's how you keep Edward happy for yeah, me as you get him involved in the games
0: these are the goals that Edward scored this season he scored that trick in the 5-1 win against Hamilton he scored against Reykjavik he scored a penalty against Ross County in a 5-0 win he scored against Sarajevo and he scored a penalty against Hebs. he scored against Sparta Prague he scored against AC Milan um so, yeah, you're right. The last goal he scored in league action was way back on the 2nd of August. That's remarkable, isn't it?
1: Remarkable. Yeah, from
0: open play. Yeah, yeah, from open play, yeah. Remarkable.
1: But, you know, last time we played Hearts in a cup final, he was the man who stood up. He scored a penalty that day and then he scored that goal when oh, he goal. just knew he was going to do it. You would love scenes like that on, on Sunday, wouldn't you? It won't be quite as emotional as that one. Just, I think, the lack of fans and all that. But it's still going to be... It's still going to be good on Sunday if if we win. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I, I do think people should be looking forward to this match. I think it's an awful, it's awful easy. And this is more, a, a this is me broadcasting a life lesson for, for everyone rather than a Celtic discussion. But I think it's very easy to be cynical. And I think it's very, especially a lot of us are spending more of our lives online at the moment the way the pandemic is, it's easy to get sucked into a cycle of cynicism, I think, and I think that sometimes you've got to let yourself enjoy things, and I think this is a week, a good week to do that with Celtic. Nothing's going to change at Celtic in the next week. Neil Lennon's not going anywhere. Peter Lawwell's not going to resign. Just enjoy a week of a build-up to a cup final and enjoy the match, enjoy the football. Don't be cynical about it. If we we'll lose, rage away, but this is a good time to, I think, to to kind of relax a little bit with Celtic. And we'll see what comes out of this, these next few matches. As I say, we need to win every single one of these matches before Ibrox. So, can the team do it? That, that's what we need to find out.
1: I think we probably have to win at Ibrox as well. Yeah, um, I was agree. thinking about this in, in bed last night and I think we actually have to, have to win that game because otherwise we, we give ourselves a, a massive mountain to climb. But there's a lot of different factors in the second half of the season they're still in Europe um they've still got mm-hmm. probably three betfred cup games to play uh we'll have more free midweeks we can you know close the gap if we win those games in hand they've never won a title before um so it's a lot of pressure <laughs> on on you know that that group of players and and Gerard who's never won a title in his whole career mm-hmm. so i think i don't know maybe i'm just getting a little bit excited yeah, or maybe i'm completely biased mm-hmm. but i'm um, I I think there's as you said I think there's a few twists and turns to happen yet we just need to keep winning we just need to keep winning games Um, but as you say this Sunday's almost you know a bit of respite from all that and it's, uh, it's a cup final going you know even if we don't win 10 in a row this season the quadruple treble Uh, will always be in our our history books and in years to come folk won't remember that this final took place in front of no fans on a cold December Sunday afternoon at quarter past two they'll just see Scottish Cup winners 2019-2020 and they'll they'll look at it as another treble and it'll be four in a row so yeah go and do it Mm -hmm. prediction time John
0: I think we'll win 3-0 I think we'll You know, and this is part of the reason why I'm quite relaxed and in a Zen state of mind here, is that you don't need to be in the best of moods when you're Lennon or Celtic or anyone. You can recognise all the issues that are happening now. Everyone wants a Celtic team to hammer a Hearts team, especially in a knockout cup game, especially at Hampden. So yeah, I'm all up for going and predicting a 3-0 win. I hope we absolutely
1: batter them. I'm going for a repeat of the last Scottish Cup final, 2-1 to the good guys. Mm, interesting. Looking forward to, as I say, it's a two-fifteen kickoff on Sunday afternoon. I believe TV rights wise, we're talking Premier Sports and BBC as well should have the game. So you'll be able to get it wherever you are, really. Remember to to, you know... Stay safe, whatever you're doing. Um, abide by the the COVID regulations. And yeah, good luck, Celtic. I think that's us for another podcast. It's weird doing a Scottish Cup final preview in, you know, Christmas time, but I guess that's uh, 2020 for you.
0: Yeah, what an odd, odd year. Can't wait to see the back of it. Um, yeah, yeah, we're going to hammer hearts. It's absolutely, I'm, I'm just sorry. I don't want to go back to it. I know we're ending the podcast, but... We're going to hammer this. Honestly, we're going to hammer hats. Everyone just relax. You know, trust me, if we lose on Sunday, you can tweet me. (laughs)
1: Are you going to give your your Twitter handle or are you just going to...
0: I'm just going to leave it at that. They can find me if they're angry (laughs) enough.
1: Right. We will um, well if you want to see John Harton. If things don't go to plan on Sunday, you can always tune in to sixty seven Hill Hill, where we'll be doing the live post match reaction. If the result is a positive one, we will obviously be smiling. Uh, If you'd rather just wait for the podcast, we will be back at some stage next week, Uh, maybe Sunday night and maybe Monday night, whatever. Um, but we will return maybe with a yoon or a Paul. But yeah, that's us for another podcast. We really appreciate everyone who listens to the show. We never take our listeners for granted. If you enjoyed the show, get in touch on Twitter. Um, let us know what you thought of the show, any questions for future shows, etc. And yeah, all roads lead to Hamden on Sunday. It may be a Scottish Cup final like no other, but hey-ho, Celtic are still in it to win it. Take care and hail, hail.